welcome to this bonus episode of the Fueled and Well podcast. Today's episode is an audio recording of an IG Live that I did with Cindy, who is a therapist, a former D1 athlete and coach. She's at Sports, Food, and Mental Health on Instagram, which we'll link in the show notes. But basically, we talked about all things amenorrhea, missing periods in athletes. We talked about sport dynamics, weight stigma, all the different things that might play a role in how we look at our bodies and food and overtraining. And it was a really great conversation. The audio quality isn't the best since it is from a stream, but we've done what we can to kind of clean it up. And despite the audio maybe not being as great as we wanted it to be, I just thought the conversation was really great. And I know not everybody is going to keep a recorded IG Live video open and listen through it like that. So I wanted you to have access to it here. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and then I will see you back here on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled Tuesday episode. So Brittany, I'm excited to have you on Sports Food and Mental Health. You and your passions fit in so well with and align really well. I was talking to someone and they're like, you always have dietitians on. And I'm like, well, <laughs> dietitians happen to be my people and it's out of my area of expertise. So I just want to talk a little bit about how you got into doing what you're doing, a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brittany Worley. I am a sports dietitian, like by training, that's where I started. So my first couple jobs were in collegiate athletics. And I just really, really loved working with the athletes who had more like food fears and disordered eating and things like that, where like food could be such a powerful tool for them, but there was like a lot of fear around it. And so they weren't using it in that way. And so when I went into private practice, I was doing a lot of just like intuitive eating for athletes and found a lot of my clients were coming to me for the same thing food stress and digestive problems and missing periods. And so recently we've just really honed in on that because it's such an important part of an athlete's health and performance. Uh, so tell me a little bit more backstory as to like, why did you become a dietitian? Great question. Well, I became a dietitian because I had my own stuff around food, which is not uncommon, right? We think if I can learn more then I can be the healthiest and it actually kind of takes us in the opposite direction. So I grew up playing sports. I mostly really loved gymnastics. But then by the time I landed in late high school, early college, I was just that person on the elliptical all the time and tracking everything. And it just, it wasn't making me healthier, even though I was touted as like the healthy one in the friend group. And so when I finally got out of school is when I realized this is how I want to help people and I'm going to have to figure out something else. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like most there's not a lot of people who get into sports work without a sports background of some sort. Right. So, yeah, curious of your sport of choice. And, and really, a lot of them it fizzles out, too. Like, so there's always, like, some form of history, but it fizzles out a lot of the time, too. Exactly. So. Yeah. So you focus on amenorrhea, and I can tell you throughout my high school, college career, how many times I was told it was normal for me to not have a period? Mm -hmm. Well, you're practicing all the time. You're doing all of these things. Like, so it makes sense. You're just, um, that's how we, athletes' bodies sometimes are. So talk to me a little bit about that misconception and, and I'll just really kind of some of the, the bulky information about 
a female identifying body, a uterus haver, if you will, having a period? Yeah. So the concept of it's normal to not have a period because you're an athlete or because your weight is normal or because you're a runner, you know, fill in the blank, whatever mm -hmm. somebody might say is wrong. What I, I always correct with is just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal, right? Mm -hmm. Just because it's common in that group because energy expenditure is so high, training load is so high, disordered eating is frequent. Just because it commonly manifests in that group doesn't mean it's not harming people in that group. And so amenorrhea typically is just the absence of three or more menstrual cycles. That's how we define it. If you've never gotten a period by age 16, that's primary amenorrhea. And then if it's something that you had and subsequently lost, it's secondary. Either way, it's going to affect your hormones, which then affects your bones, which I see a lot for people also having effects on their digestive system because when we're in a low energy availability state, when there's an imbalance between the resources our body needs and the resources we're giving it, certain systems start to shut down. Reproductive system, so menstrual cycles, and also digestive system being two of the really big ones we'll start to notice. And the tricky part there is once those systems start to downregulate, hibernate, you know, however you want to think of them, mm -hmm. it makes it harder to eat enough again to regain that cycle because we're bloated and everything we eat hurts our stomach. And then that's how we end up in some random office being told we have a bunch of allergies when in reality, none of this was happening before the underfueling began. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I cycle. <laughs> it is. And, and as someone who works and has worked in eating disorder treatment, one of the hardest things to tell folks that are in those early stages is, I'm sorry, your stomach hurts and you still have to eat. It's so frustrating and I get why they're like, I hate you. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. we can't get your body the resources it needs to start digesting properly again, mm -hmm. then none of these problems get fixed. And so the only way to get to that end result is to go through it. And there's obviously strategies we can do to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable, but it, it does require a little bit of patience and discomfort because your body's not used to digesting that many calories anymore. Yeah, so two things from what you just shared. The first that I wanted to talk about was yeah. the statement, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal or as it should be. Because I think that comes in with disordered eating, with, you know, amenorrhea, with any of these things like, yeah, that happens. We all have that. Just because we all have that doesn't mean it's what should be or how our body best functions. Like that is just, I think from that disordered eating pattern, well, all of my friends do this, right? Like it's a very mm -hmm. common phrase that just because the circle that you're in all, all does it, doesn't mean it's what's best for you necessarily. Um, exactly. so I love that. And then the second piece is you talked about bone density. And that's another thing that I talk about a lot with my clients and, and specifically with athletes and how important in working with athletes who have come back from injury, how hard and like the grief process of that. Talk a little bit about bone density and how that plays into the reproductive system and, and whatnot. Yeah. So in order to build bone, you have to have a couple different stimuli, enough calories, adequate hormone balance, 
also having some level of like resistance training because that's a physical stimulus on bone. All of those things play together to increase your bone mineral density, just meaning kind of how much bone matter per you know square unit you have or cubic unit you have. And it's really important for the strength of your bones, which sounds like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm not 80. It's fine. But as you sit longer and longer with disordered eating, with menstrual cycles that are missing, with hormones that are disrupted, your bone building capacity is so diminished that you actually start to lose bone mineral density. And we can only build it until like early 30s. So if you are, you know, a high school athlete or a collegiate runner or just out of college and still working through your disordered eating, you're in those peak bone building years and you're actually losing bone. And so the concern there is not just like, I guess it would be cool to have strong bones. It makes it really easy to bump up against something and end up with a stress fracture. It sounds so silly, but it happens all the time, you know, running and getting stress fractures, stress reactions, having a, like, if you have a context for a collision that shouldn't take you out and it, and it does result in a break, all those things are going to sideline you. And if you're already anxious about food or your weight or, you know, being the best one on your team or whatever it is, being sidelined for any amount of time is going to be so stressful. And then we might cope with that stress by controlling stuff we shouldn't control, like under eating. So it's, again, kind of just creating that cyclical nature that's really hard to get out of if you don't start making some of those behavior changes. The cycle. The cycle, right? And specifically to athletes, like you are spot on on. I need to be the best. Yep. And so how that perception is, how that shows up is a lot of times I need to be the smallest or look the fittest or work out the most or these sorts of things. And I can talk all day about like over exercising and over exerting, right? Because the grind is so praised by coaches. Like so-and-so is a gym rat. They're always giving extra reps. They're always in the gym cool to an extent, right? Like we need to acknowledge that there is a threshold that it is no longer effective, like productivity diminishes. And, and so then when you're at your peak performance time, and I hear that a lot too, I hear, but Cindy, I was faster when I was smaller. I said, until you were. Yeah. For how long were. Yeah. And so, sure, again, from that, like, I think it's something of diminishing returns, the action, the mathematical equation. Sure, it can be effective, but a lot of it's up here because I'm getting smaller or because I'm doing X, Y, Z. You're building confidence to believe that you're better when really nothing could have changed, like physicality wise or anything like that. So speaking to that cycle, I think is so important. In that we, as athletes, it's just all about like the grind and like working extra hard. And so then when you're seat, like you're on the bench because of an injury, now what? Right? Yeah. Now I have to really work what I'm eating because I think a lot of athletes use movement as an excuse to eat versus like the reverse where we need to eat to function. Kind of the reverse a lot of the times. Yeah, absolutely. I would say a lot of times when athletes are injured is when if they've had previous disordered eating that they've overcome, 
or if they've been doing a little bit better in that place, it can flare up again because being an athlete or even even if you don't identify as an athlete, you're just like super active, you're a runner or whatever, like if it's part of your identity and then it has to get paused, ugh. like of course we're going to look for something else to make us feel like we're doing something right or we're being productive. What can I say to people that I'm doing with my time if it's not thing, if it's not like who I am? Yeah. Yeah. And and so the idea of recovering a period or Mm -hmm. returning, what does that process look like for the average person who has lost their period, that secondary amenorrhea? Like, what does that process look like as far as timeline, symptoms? What does that look like? Yeah, so it can vary quite a bit depending on how ready you are to make like significant changes, how long it's been absent, if you have any other um, like medical conditions that might kind of complicate things. But typically, if you have lost your period after already having it for a period of time, there's going to be a level of adjustment to both your food and your exercise that has to happen. And a lot of times, type of training too. A lot of people assume, okay, well, if I work with a dietitian to get my period back, they're just going to make me gain weight. And that's all they're going to focus on. I don't even set target weights with a lot of my athletes. It's just, here are the things behavior wise that are going to be really supportive for your hormones, your body's stress response, your recovery. And then let's see what your weight does. Yes, likely it is going to go up to some extent, but that's not our primary focus because we have athletes at all different weights that are cycling and are healthy. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, really focusing on not only total amount of food, but timing and macronutrient balance are really important. Being really mindful that as much high intensity exercise that can come out does, which if you're actively in a season, we can always kind of talk about the balance there. And then also being really mindful of like stress management and sleep and all those other lifestyle factors that aren't as cool, but like have to play a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that we haven't really defined or talked about like why are periods important? Yep. Yes. I love that. We can get to that <laughs> now, right? So a uh, menstrual cycle is so, so important because If you are a female athlete, your body operates off of, you know, a 30-ish day cycle of several different hormones that play all different kinds of roles in your body. It's not just your hormone health or just your bone health. It's kind of everything. And it even relays into performance. Like when we see athletes with altered hormone panels, a lot of times that's going to impact their adaptation to training, their ability to build more bone mass, but also muscle mass, despite whatever crazy programming they're doing. There's just so many essential body functions that aren't going to operate their way they're supposed to if our hormones are altered in some way. And so having a relatively regular for you, it looks different for everybody, cycle that is pretty consistent and that is clearly functioning optimally is going to give us an indication basically that like all systems are a go. Sometimes we call it like your fifth vital sign, right? Vital Mm -hmm. signs are a measure of how well is your body doing in these essential areas like Mm -hmm. blood pressure and heart rate and all of those things. And we can agree like if one of those was off, we would probably do something about it. Mm -hmm. Cycles missing or being really irregular just becomes normalized again because 
it's not super uncommon for it to happen in female athletes, but it's still a big red flag. And the better kind of your whole hormonal picture is, not only your overall health is better, but also your performance capacity. Which I think that explanation is so important in that when we hear about periods and menstrual cycles, we think about pregnancy, right? The thing that we get as a teenager that we have to, right? It's very, like, we, I think we're starting to talk about it more. We're mm-hmm. working on it. Get more, like, just easily accessible and talked about because 50% of the population ovulates and menstruates. Feels like a pretty big deal to talk about and not shame or, or kind of keep hidden. But also, like, that's the, the thought process. Well, I don't really care if I'm, if I have a regular cycle. I'm not trying to get pregnant, Cindy. I've heard that. I don't want a baby, Cindy. So maybe this is a good thing. So I think it's really important here, right? The the other issue, issues and like medical concerns that come up because the whole reason we're not cycling accurately is because something else is off. And I always talk about, like you talked about like GI and, and reproductive shutting down. Yeah, because if our body's not nourished adequately, the least important things, procreation, right? Our GI system can slow down because like, okay, you're not feeding me adequately. Like our bodies are conditioned to experience that in like historical times, right? It still does that, right? So I think that it's just a really important thing to notice when we talk about menstrual cycles. Because I think genuinely a lot of the population views it as like pregnancy or not. Yes. (laughs) Or something annoying that happens every month. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. it's not the most convenient thing. But it being missing is a way bigger problem than like the annoyance of dealing with those four or six days. Yeah, it's just not like you said, it's getting more talked about now, but it hasn't been for so long that I think there's a lot of people who just like don't get it regularly and are like, okay, that's that's just me. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be. Yeah, our whole worlds are cyclical in nature. The weather, uh, like like life cycle the female cycle like everything is right and so if that's out of out of touch or out of alignment then that's probably means there's something going on exactly Um, you're at so after we talked about going live today you had just posted you've got a new program coming out and as i was scrolling through and looking at it i was wondering if you would like to share a little bit about hormonal birth control and its impact with athletes or other people who have amenorrhea or that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one that doesn't get talked about as often, but is really important. So I'm glad you brought it up. The idea of going to, you know, a doctor or something and saying, I don't have my cycles and being told it's normal. And then being told that the solution is birth control is probably them just trying to help you out, but also not seeing the whole picture. Right. And so if we had a longer conversation where it was like, oh, I've had, you know, history of an eating disorder or just some disordered eating. I'm really afraid of carbs. Like I intentionally do fasted workouts. If we really started to look at the whole picture, we would realize this is a fueling and like metabolism and more holistic health problem. This isn't just a your body doesn't like making estrogen. So take the estrogen pill. Right. Like, no, no. There's a different route there. Mm -hmm. And the issue with taking hormonal birth control is it might be well-intentioned because it can help us mitigate further bone loss, but it's like a Band-Aid. It's going to cover the fat, 
that you aren't cycling on your own, right? It's going to give you what we call like a withdrawal bleed. So a, a symbolic period, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not actually going to fix all of the altered systems that caused you to lose your period in the first place. And the tricky thing with that is people will get put on that hormonal birth control and then think they're good. And they'll continue to underfuel, overtrain, not manage their stress, run on five hours of sleep. Meanwhile, their body is like freaking out under the surface, but that mm-hmm. pill is going to give you a fake period every month. So you think you're good. Mm-hmm. And we can just go a lot longer running our body into the ground because we have kind of that false sense of security. Yes. Yes. Me. At the age of six, we all did. Yeah. At the age of 16, right? Like that was, you know, it was my skin was breaking out and I was irregular. Yep. And there's a the solution. Right? Yep. And for so long, it made me feel safe. Like, good, still getting it. It's all good. Right. And, and I think that it is, I, I often tell a lot of my clients, like, you know, if they have a loss of period or they haven't started yet, I don't shy away from this. Turn me into the boards if you're watching this live. I say, don't let them just put you on birth control. Good. <laughs> because I think ultimately you're, you're spun on. I don't think doctors do it to like perform lazy medicine or like these sorts right. of things. Like they are thinking bone health, I would imagine. That is their initial focus. And from my experience, primary care doctors aren't educated in eating disorders or asking about disordered eating or praise disordered eating as like healthy or that yeah. sort of thing. So I just, I really encourage, you know, and most of my clients have a dietitian in place already, but a lot of the times the medical providers like, well, let's try this. I'm like, hmm, let's try to get it first and foremost naturally and on your own with all of the things. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And it is, it's just a, it's a really interesting conversation. And when you look back on how many, and I have no idea how old you are, but I think fairly similar demographic, how many girls, teenage, like at 16, were put on birth control and maybe still are to this day, even if they don't need it for the control of pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. But because what I take every day and aren't even questioning that. Which I find mind-boggling as someone who encourages psychiatric medication if that's the best fit. Like, I'm like, wait, you're scared to take that? But like, we're just taking this pill because some doctor 15 years ago told you to take it. You're like, okay. Right. And like, you haven't revisited it since a lot of times. I went on the same one for nine years or something. Mm -hmm. My body was probably totally different from when I started. And yet I didn't consider that I might need something different or not need it at all anymore. And yeah, it's just I feel like it feels like a very like benign thing to be given and it can be, but if we're not really looking at the whole person and that a lot of times comes down to like weight stigma too, right? If somebody is in the office who doesn't look like they have a problem with food, we might not think twice about asking about those things. It might just mm-hmm. get prescribed. So, and then we're missing a really big opportunity to impact somebody. Yeah. And I think that is ultimately that's with eating disorders, that's with amenorrhea, that's with a lot of things that like if they don't quote unquote look the part or or have the belief system that you have to be emaciated thin mm-hmm. to have hormonal disruption. Mm-hmm. Like that can happen very quickly with all body sizes. And you know, it's like labs across the board with people of all different ages and body sizes. 
can be drastically different or very much the same. Right. And so it is, it is something that I think is often overlooked. And there is there is medical weight stigma. And I talk about that freely, hopefully from an educational lens. I, I don't think that most medical professionals are out there trying to cause harm, but it's an aid. It's, it's an aid. And I think I often tell people I'm swimming upstream when I talk about things that people don't want to talk about. Well, that's not how it is. Or that's not how I was taught. I'm like, well, yeah, join me swim upstream. It's hard, but. Right. Yeah. It's, it's counter to what I learned in school, but like mm-hmm. I've seen it time and time again, like stigmatizing somebody's weight or weight change or body composition as an athlete. You don't look like a fill in the blank type of athlete. It doesn't make them any better. It makes them less likely to come back and see you. It makes them less like feeling like in their own power to make change and help themselves. It's not helping us to have those conversations. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think like when you talk about the identity piece of looking like an athlete, how important that is and, and why a lot of that comes in, again, looking like an athlete or being like an athlete. Oh, no. I'm the only one on my team that has a period. That means I'm too fat. <laughs> like, so we all want to be unhealthy to be the best, right? Yeah. It's like competitive edge that happens in really a twisted way a lot of the times. And that is actually what I have heard. Well, I'm getting my periods of you, so I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, okay. but in in reality, too, if all your teammates don't have their cycle and you do, that's your competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually well fueled. Your body's actually adapting to your training. You're building more bone. You're less likely to get injured. Like you hit the lottery. Like keep going. Like don't turn the other direction. And that, yeah. And I hope that like when we think about, you know, takeaways, I know that I have a lot of parents on my mm-hmm. page. And so Parents, if you are listening to this, listening to that, this is the feedback. Talk to your female athletes, female children, like about periods and their importance. And more so just like the sex ed that we get in the fifth grade that tells you like this is how you make babies, right? Or, or like, don't. It is the, right, or don't, right? The thin, most of the time don't, right? I was just re-watching Mean Girls recently. Oh, no. You, you will die, right? Exactly. <laughs> But like talking about it in the sense of it is a vital sign saying your body is well and good. Mm-hmm. And it's also not the only vital sign. Because I also hear, well, I've never lost my period. So then I'm like, all right, well, it's not the only indicator of health, no. right? But it is really important. And it's okay to talk about. Again, 51% of the population experiences it. I think that's the accurate statistic now. There's there's a few more females. So like thinking about like how stigmatized it is talking about it, like you having it in your Instagram name is a step of defiance really from a societal expectation. Like you could have said like the cycle dietitian and people were like, what kind of cycle, right? Like what do you need? You know, but just saying the word is important to start to like destigmatize and start to lift up its importance just to so much more than just reproduction absolutely and i remember when i told my husband i think i'm gonna change my handle for my business name to this he's like that's different yeah but it's like 51 percent of us are dealing with it or maybe not dealing with it and we should and so yeah the more we can normalize it the better if you're an athlete and you haven't talked about missing your cycle and one day you bring it up you'd probably be surprised by how many teammates look at you like yeah, that happened to me or that's currently happening to me. But mm-hmm. because it's not talked about often enough, 
I think it gets brought up sometimes in that competitive way, but otherwise not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the more we talk about it as again, like that vital side, it being an yep. indicator of how your body is functioning makes it so much more important than like this annoying thing that happens once a month. Right. Or this thing that like means I'm pregnant or not. Right. Yeah. These are like the very, very like tunneled perspectives of why a cycle is so important. And I have a friend who will probably watch this. So she changed my world on cycle, like of like when to work out different oh, types. Yeah. Like she is in tune with, and it's like mind blowing. I'm like, that's pretty cool. As a 30 something year old grown adult who has been dealing with this for 15 plus years, like right. just now. Oh yeah, I do feel weaker this time of the month and I feel stronger. Like, I know that makes total sense. Our world is not made for women in our cycle. Like, Right. It's, we're not running on a 24-hour cycle where every day feels exactly the same in our bodies. And that's not to say that, mm -hmm. you know, male athletes feel exactly the same way every day either. But we do have a lot more ebb and flow to it. Mm -hmm. And I think the, like no excuses or, you know, disciplined mentality or like I should always be PRing kind of mindset sometimes with athletes goes against that monthly mm -hmm. cyclical nature versus if you can just accept it and be like, some of these workouts leading up to my period aren't going to feel as good. But like, thank God I'm getting my period and like my body's doing what it's supposed to do, even if some days it's less convenient. Yeah. I'm not failing at that practice or that workout. No. My body is actually in a different state today than it right. was last week with the same workout. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, and I think that is such a common thing, solely like cyclical or we are evolving multidimensional humans. So like yep. even some extra stress could cause like a change in your performance and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. Do you have anything else that you were thinking that you wanted to add to the conversation? I think the only thing that we didn't, you know, we didn't spend a ton of time on, but I feel like has been coming up a lot since I started talking about my program starting in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. As I've had more athletes messaging me and I've been talking to some of them, I think the hardest thing for people who are missing their cycles to get over is that either fear of weight gain or the digestive issues. Those two stop people in their tracks. And I've been speaking to women who are like four, five, six years into no cycles. And they're like, I just can't get out of it because I'm terrified of gaining weight or everything I eat hurts my stomach. And then I assume I've eaten too much. And so if you are in that place, we talked about it a little bit before, but mm -hmm. the only way to get to that eventual outcome of cycling naturally, your body doing what it's supposed to do hormonally is to work through that discomfort. That discomfort doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. You're just changing direction and takes a little bit for your body to physically catch up. That's super, super normal. Yeah. I think I use the analogy of in Finding Nemo when Dory and Nemo have to go yeah. through. It's not Nemo. It's the dad, Merlin. When they have to go through the jellyfish, not up and around, right? Like, through the jellyfish still sucks. Like it's still yeah. getting strong. It's going to hurt. But like, that is the only way through. Like, can't just skip that part. And really like from the perspective, like, but yeah, it feels better now. Sure. But like, especially with athletes, doesn't 
a little discomfort usually what is that what we want we want to push through some discomfort when we're you know not injury not pain but like to get better we have to do a little more than what we're used to do a little more than we're comfortable with right right and so it's a very common experience for athletes but when it's around body image and expectations it's like Nope, not that though, Cindy. Not that, Brittany. I'm not bragging. And so it is an interesting like conundrum, if you will, because I'll have athletes be like, well, yeah, I did this, 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 and this. And like, we had to, you know, do this lifting workout and it was the hardest I've ever done. And like, I was like sore, but like I PR. Okay, wasn't that uncomfortable? Didn't you know that the outcome was going to be worth it though? Right. So there is, there's a little bit of, of that understanding and really it's just sympathy and then like yeah it's gonna suck like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be uncomfortable and that might have to be your process yeah and if you avoid that discomfort for too long you're gonna end up with a host of other things that you don't want and I always talk to athletes about like what are your expectations for how long you're gonna be in this sport or your longevity and like if those things are really important, or even if just your overall health is really important, which valid, that could be more important for sport for you. And that's okay. Like, then we have to deal with some of that discomfort sooner or later. Otherwise, we're just going to pay for it some other way on the back end. Yeah. So at some point, it will, right? That's that thing like, well, I'm getting better until you're not. Like, your body will eventually say no. Eventually. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, again, when there's disordered eating, we can always see the future in like when I lose weight, when I look X amount, when I have this amount, right? We can always future see that way, but future seeing like a healthier, happier self when maybe eating more, when maybe having a cycle for some reason, that's like impossible to grasp. No, that they're both fantasies. They're both future projection. Mm-hmm. Both can be just as true as like what you find in the disordered eating. Yeah, they're just uh, less like you said glorified and stuff so it's harder mm-hmm. for people to really sink their teeth into that but like there is such a more healthy happy like even performance-wise better version of you likely on the other side of that if you are missing your cycles it's just hard to see it when you're not there yet yeah so Brittany, tell my followers a little bit about your program because i was scrolling through your slides and i think it's going to be amazing so let's Thank hear you. about it a little bit Yeah. So it's called Period Recovery Breakthrough. It's a 12-week group coaching program where we will walk you through everything from the foundations of like actual behavior, right? Food, exercise, stress, understanding your cycles through mindset work. And then also all the way through some of the more like higher level information that you might need for situations like What about when my cycles come back, but they're irregular? Or what about when I start running again? All of those things. We'll walk you through all of that. Not everybody is going to get their cycle back in that first 12 weeks, depending on how much sport you can change, but you're going to get a lot closer and you're going to have all the tools you need to recover your period naturally, which is ultimately what we want, right? We don't want you to be in a program for 12 weeks get your period back, leave and not have the tools to keep it. Because a lot of times we'll see that too, if you don't have the right kind of support or like mindset going into recovery. But yeah, it's going to be really great. It starts April 3rd. So we're still enrolling up until then. And I actually just started a promo today. So the next three 
women that enroll will get a free one-on-one call with me. There's the option to upgrade to those anyway, but if you like free things, which hello, <laughs> then the yeah. next three women that enroll will get that too, just to get a little, a little boost to what they're working on. So, yeah. Awesome. I know that I have followers who have irregular cycles and are not getting their period. So definitely an opportunity to be with other people who also are trying to get their period back, which again, from the societal norm of like, oh, it's just normal. Now you're going to join a group of people who are also acknowledging that it's not what's, it's not what's best for them and they want to make a change. Yeah. So. And that group setting and being able to normalize wanting to get your period back and working towards it is so powerful because it can be really hard to keep that momentum going if you feel alone. Even if you're working with a provider one-on-one sometimes, it's just like, okay, in between my sessions, I'm just doubting myself. So you have that group built in. We have a Slack channel that runs the entirety of the program. So you always have that support. Awesome. Well, great. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I hope that we will do this again sometime. I think it's a very important topic. I found that my demographic right now is is tending to be like high school, college, where this conversation is, is so, so important now, right? It's important for all ages, but really in the space of prevention and preventative work in this moment. So, you know, getting in early and and talking about it. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for making the time and all the good questions. I could talk about this topic anytime. Yes. Yes. I feel the same. I feel the same. Thanks for joining me. Bye. All right. Bye. So I know Cindy and I talked about it briefly before we logged off of this IG live recording, Um, but I just wanted to remind you, if you are listening to this episode When it comes out or shortly thereafter, there is still time to enroll in Period Recovery Breakthrough, my 12-week coaching program where I will walk you through all of the nutrition and exercise and supplement and body image and mindset shifts that you need to make to get your period back for good. I'm so excited by what we're going to be teaching in this program. I really hope to support you inside if this is something you're struggling with. You can get $200 off when you enroll by April 2nd. So that's coming up pretty quick. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram if you have any questions. And as I already mentioned, we will link the application for the program and also Cindy's Instagram page below. Talk to you soon.